Dear God, we do thank you for each person here. We are grateful for all you do for us. Lord, I do lift up this local election in October, and Lord, it does matter. And uh, the school board alone, Lord, the superintendent is stepping down at the end of the year. This school board will get to pick the new superintendent, is my understanding. That could set um, the course of education in this area for years to come. Lord, I pray that Christians will be discerning and they will be engaged and that they will vote and take this responsibility seriously. Lord, I ask for your blessing in our time together. I ask for your blessing for those who are at home um, uh, with various concerns about COVID. We just pray for blessing for them and encouragement. And Lord, we thank you for the technology. It's not the same as being here, but we are grateful for that connection, for that link. And we just ask for your blessing on their lives. Lord, I just, I lift up our kids, Lord. It is a dark culture. Lord, help us to sow into them truth and light and holiness. Help them to walk out purity and to become all that you have called them to be. Lord, this is our prayer in the powerful name that's above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to talk about worry today, and I'm just curious, if you had to answer, what's causing you worry? What's maybe even making you bite your fingernails, if that's your habit? Uh, Just this week, I went to a doctor, just kind of checking in and checking in on some things, and sent me for a, a sleep test. And came back, he goes, Derek, you have pretty bad sleep apnea. He goes, several times a night, many times a night. He goes, you'll stop breathing for at least a minute and a half. Like, well, that's kind of a big deal. (laughs) So, um, you know, now I lay my head down and, you know, I think about that. That's kind of interesting. So we'll work on that. But, you know, if I got to go in my sleep, that's not a bad way to go, right? Wake up in heaven. What worries you? What causes you concern? It could be lots of things. If you have children, that, it's kind of like your heart's walking around outside your body, and it causes you concern when they're late. Worry is something that our media feeds on, makes money off of, and it's something that Americans struggle with. Now, I use the word worry and anxiety pretty interchangeably. Uh, My wife, who's a therapist, likes to differentiate those and worries more in your head, anxiety when it's kind of more of a full body reaction. And so uh, if you want to be more precise, you can do that, but I kind of use them interchangeably. But worry affects us. It has a profound effect on us. Every year, more than $500 million dollars worth of tranquilizers are prescribed in the United States to kind of put people in an emotional low gear. You can see fear and worry in this current pandemic that we're in. Uh, You can see all kinds of distress in people's lives. Craig Groeschel is a minister I enjoy and an author I like to read, and he talked about his, his little guy um, was two years old, one of his sons, and his, his son, um, his nickname's Bookie, um, that's not his real name, but his, his nickname is Bookie, and they're out in the front yard and dad's working, and little Bookie starts to go, my friend, my friend, and 
you know, Craig didn't pay attention for a minute or two because he just thought, you know, he has an imaginary friend. He's two years old. But he kept going, oh, my friend, and he was super excited. And he said, Daddy, look at my friend. And so he walks over. He goes, is this an imaginary friend, Bookie? And he goes, no, and he points down. And, I mean, very close to his son's feet was a small rattlesnake. So, of course, he snatches his kid, kills the rattlesnake, stomps on the head after he cuts it off. And I just want to give you that image because I think so many people think that worry is their friend. That worry is the mark or one of the marks of being a good mom. And it's not your friend. It doesn't help you. It hurts you. And it strangles out the joy and many of the blessings in your life. You know, there's a a story that Jesus tells in Mark chapter 4 about a sower, and the sower is basically throwing out all the seed, which is the message of the gospel, and the seed lands on different kinds of soil, and, and lots of different soils do different things. You know, some it's a really hard path, and so the seed, it doesn't have any effect. But there is a, a kind of soil that it begins to grow. And notice what it says in Mark 4, verse 18 and 19. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Has worry or anxiety ever made you unfruitful? Has it ever held you back? in your life? Has it ever robbed you of sleep or peace? I think for most of us, it has. Charles Swindoll says this, he says, worry strangles the divine perspective from our daily living, which puts you on edge. According to one survey I was reading where they surveyed 100,000 Christians the number one struggle, the number one sin that women were drawn to was worry. And so I think this is a big issue for people. I liked one philosopher who said this. He said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. (laughs) I appreciated that. So what is the divine perspective that we should have if we want to be people who are not walking in worry, but walking in peace. Well, let me give you a passage. Many people find this to be one of their favorite passages. It's written by the Apostle Paul. Remember that he wrote this while in prison. And while we don't know all the details of his imprisonment, so just put yourself in that context I love the book of Philippians because one of the major themes is joy, and here you have this prisoner writing about joy, but I think this particular passage gives us some keys, some pieces of the eternal perspective, to use Swindoll's phrase, on how to walk through life without being mired down, without being strangled, without being, having our fruitfulness choked out by worry and anxiety. Here's what Paul writes, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So let's look at this. What are some pieces, some parts, some keys to an eternal perspective that can help us walk through a very anxious era that we live in? Well, if you caught it right at the beginning, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice, verse 4 of our primary text. I think that's fascinating. He tells us to rejoice. In a sense, he commands us to rejoice. So apparently that is an attitude we can choose. That is a perspective that we can have. Now, When we're worried, when we're anxious, sometimes that's very difficult and it's hard to do that, but I think he gives us the how at the end of the passage, which is verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Rejoicing is a matter of perspective. It's a choice that we make in our thinking, in our attitude. It's amazing how our perspective can shift and change. I liked a letter written by a, a, a young college student, a young lady writing to her mom and dad. This is what she wrote. She said, Dear Mom and Dad, I'm sorry to be so long in writing. Unfortunately, all my stationery was destroyed the night our dorm was set on fire by the demonstrators. I'm out of the hospital now, and the doctors say my eyesight should return sooner or later. The wonderful boy, Bill, who rescued me from the fire, kindly offered to share his little apartment with me until the dorm is rebuilt. He comes from a good family, so you won't be surprised when I tell you we're going to get married. In fact, since, we've always want, since you've always wanted a grandchild, you'll be glad to know that you'll be grandparents very soon. P.S. She writes... Please disregard the above practice in English composition. There was no fire. I haven't been to the hospital. I'm not pregnant, and I don't even have a steady boyfriend. But I did get a D in French and an F in chemistry, and I just wanted to be sure that you received it in the proper perspective. (laughs) I like that. She's thinking, right? All of a sudden, that looks better, right? Rejoice. How do we do it? It's where we put our focus. It's where we put our focus. It really is. Your marriage has good and it has bad. And it's all where you spin and where you focus. Your place of employment, it has good and it has bad. The church you attend, the, your extended family gatherings, your, I mean, just your community, the list goes on and on. It's all about how we look at things, and we have a decision to make about rejoicing. And so I just want you to think about that. 
I'm going to give you 30 seconds. And I just want, what, what in my life, what's the good? What is God given? Every good gift comes from above, the Lord. I mean, the scripture tells us. So just click through a few. You can share them with the person next to you if you wish. What are some reasons you have to rejoice? Tell you, 30 seconds is a long time when you're standing up here looking at you, right? (laughs) So that's the first idea. Part of an eternal perspective is you rejoice. You choose to rejoice. The second is to remember the Lord is near. Look at our text again, Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. We're never far from him. He's always, always with us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you as a permanent indwelling, as a precious gift. Not like the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit would descend on somebody so they could do a particular act or they could be a a judge for a period of time. But the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ and begins to work from the inside out in our lives. I love the old story of Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, who was in a funk. He struggled with depression and being down and worrying and fear. And and he lived a very difficult life. There were threats to his life. And I can understand why he felt the way he did. But one of the classic moments in his marriage was his wife comes down. He'd been in a funk for days. And his wife comes down. She's dressed in all black. And he says, who died? And she said, God died. And he said, that's impossible. That's stupid. What, what, are you, what are you doing? She said, well, if he's not dead, how about you act like it? Remember, the Lord is near. Paul Tripp is an author I enjoy, and he talked about he got very, very sick, was in the hospital for a long period of time, very life-threatening situation, and his wife... Uh, Lula was her name, and, and she, he, he said he watched. He would go in and out of consciousness. There were times he had guests and times he didn't. And every time he would wake up and he was aware, uh, there his wife was. I mean, in the middle of the night, um, the nurse wakes him up to take some medicine. He looks over, and there she is in this uncomfortable chair right next to the bed. And um, he said it was the most profound picture for him of the power of the presence. He said it revealed her heart for him. And what she could do well, God can do perfectly. The Lord is near. He is with us. He dwells within us. He walks alongside of us. He is always there. And that can help us to be people Not of fear and worry and anxiety, but people of peace and confidence and joy. 
Joshua 1.5, Joshua was told, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a great promise from God. And I think we can grab that. Because Jesus tells us that. At the end of the Great Commission, what we talk about is the great mission that the church has. We're to go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups. At the end of that, because in my opinion, this is just my opinion, I think those apostles are going, really? Us? They're looking around at each other and they're going, we're supposed, this is, this is really plan A? We're supposed to spread the message everywhere. You're leaving? You're really leaving? And he tells them at the end of this great commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he says, and teaching them to obey everything. So he's giving them this ridiculously huge assignment to teach the whole world, to win the whole world, I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the key. I know you can't do it, fellas, but with me you can. With me, anything is possible. And so we, we grab hold of things and we think we have to be in control. I think worry, a lot of it is just a control issue. Because there's something in my life that I don't feel like I have good control over. You know, my adult children are in another town or something and, and, and you, you worry. And bad things do happen. And sometimes it catches you off guard. Never forget our, our oldest boy he was off at college. He was wrestling and he was on the wrestling team. And um, I knew he'd gone to a, you know, a Las Vegas tournament with his wrestling team. And I literally, okay, you know, he's, he's down there, and they traveled all over the Northwest and, and the West, and so I didn't think much about it. I'm not much of a worrier. And then I look at the news, and I read about, they, uh, or watch on the news about how somebody took a car and just plowed through this huge crowd in, in Las Vegas. And they said some wrestlers were hurt who were at a tournament, and I'm like, wait, wait a minute here. Now, our son was off somewhere else, but that was somebody's son or daughter. Bad things do happen. But we have to understand and, and trust that God is with us. And whatever we face, we can walk through it. It won't all feel good, that's for sure. So the Lord is near. That's the next part of a divine perspective. The third idea is that we can obey the command, do not be anxious about anything. I don't know about you, but I think for a lot of people, they read that. It's right there in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. That's a command. You're being told not to do that. If it's a command, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that's something we can do. That's something we can walk out. I think most of us don't think that's possible. We don't think it's, it's even remotely possible. He doesn't give us commands that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can't do. So it's possible to walk in peace, in deep trust. A question I use, I like clarifying questions. One question I use is, will this matter in 10 years? And a lot of things that I might start to get worked up about, they don't. They don't matter in 10 years. 
I think that's a helpful question. One author said this, that, that worry is essentially the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. Because you might think, why is that even a sin? Why is that even falling short? It's because we have a God who is sovereign. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who is near. And I'm still going to fret and worry and have anxiety and be stressed about all this stuff. You know, the Greek word that's used in this text um, for anxious means to be divided or distracted. See, we're called to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind, but when we divide our focus, when we change what we're thinking about all the time and we run the money problems through, or we run the marriage problems through, or we're having struggles with the kids, or whatever it might be, one of those bedrock doctrines of the faith that can radically change your life if you will believe it, if you will believe it, if you'll stand on it, is that God is sovereign. He's sovereign. It's all in his hands. And so I've experienced bad things, difficult things, and that passed through the sovereignty of God. God could have stopped it. He chose not to. I don't always agree with his decisions, but he is God and I am not. God is sovereign. And so we can obey this command to not be anxious. A classic story in my thinking, because it just, it speaks to how we can miss so much. I think of this generation that saw so many miracles in the great exodus from Israel. Plague after plague, miracle after miracle. They get to the edge of the promised land. God has fed them. He has done so many incredible, incredible, mind-blowing acts of the supernatural. They get to the edge of the promised land. They're, going, they're told to go in and take over, conquer it. And because of worry and fear, they don't. And that entire generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, the two good spies, that entire generation misses this incredible opportunity because they were worried about the armies of the enemy, because they were worried about thick walls. When they had the God who just put Egypt, one of the most powerful nations in the world, and brought them to their knees. And on the edge of the promised land, because of worry and fear, Israel missed that opportunity. What are you missing because of worry? You ever think about that? Maybe it's reaching out to that family member that you've been estranged for a long time. Maybe it's starting that business. You know, this doesn't seem like a great time to start a business, right? Unless it's making masks or something, I don't know hand sanitizer or the, the plastic wall people. My goodness. <laughs> Wish I'd invested in that stuff. So understand that we can obey this command. God is sovereign. One Christian leader, I always struggle with his name, but I love what he said. Uh, Dag Hammerskold said this. He said, for all that is past, thanks, for all that is to come, yes. For all that is past, thanks. And all that is to come, yes. That is a posture of trust, deep trust of a sovereign God. 
Next idea is practice the power of prayer. I'm not going to unpack this much because I talk about prayer a lot. It's my great lifeline with God, that and the Word. But notice in our text, Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You can be distraught and worked up, and if you will walk into a time of prayer, you can walk out of that with profound peace. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. See, prayer, yes, I do make requests in prayer. I make lots of requests in prayer. But let's be honest, a lot of what I'm doing in prayer is taking my will and learning to line it up with God's will. It's learning to submit Even Jesus, God the Son, in the flesh, in the garden, as he looks at the painful cross in front of him, says, Lord, you know, is there another way? And the Father says, no. And what the theologians call the perfect prayer, Jesus says, not my will, but thine be done. That's a lot of what prayer is. Now, pray boldly, pray for specific requests, and sometimes God answers those in dramatic ways, but sometimes prayer is just learning to submit to God. And what happens? We, the last main idea is we experience the peace of God. Verse 7 of our text, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It'll guard your hearts and mind. Craig Groeschel says this, God had allowed me to see his faithfulness through enough yesterdays to realize he would be faithful in today and I did not have to worry about tomorrow. Whenever I start to worry, my mind starts to ramp up. What I love to do is sit down and write, how has God come through for me over the years? And it's quite a list. It's a profound list. It's an exciting list. And I walk out of that encouraged and strengthened. And the worry just begins to shrink. I love the story of Martha and Mary. These two sisters. And Jesus shows up. He has his, you know, his, his pack of men that go with him everywhere. His apostles. And they show up for dinner. And I don't think anybody called ahead. And all of a sudden, you know, here's all these extra mouths to feed. And Martha, the incredible hostess, just is frantically in the kitchen and she looks out and there's her sister and her sister's sitting at the feet of Jesus just soaking it in and she's irritated by that. And some of us, it's always interesting who identifies with who. I clearly identify with Martha in this. I, I lean that way and I'm like, I, uh, what is wrong with her? You're supposed to help. You're supposed to pull this off. Things need to be done. There are tasks that need to happen. And she gets all frustrated, goes to Jesus, and Jesus says this to her in Luke 10, 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So the big idea this morning is in a noisy, anxious world, let God quiet you with his love. Choose what is better. Let me pray. Dear God, I thank you for each person here. 
whether they're here in person or at home, we ask your blessing on them. Lord, these are worrisome, troublesome, anxiety-provoking times from pandemics to riots to um, political division to just frustration levels. Just figuring out how to make it work with three kids at home and both spouses work. And they're supposed to stay on task and do their schoolwork and all of this. Lord, it's just, there's just a lot on people. I just pray and ask for your gift of peace, which is ultimately found in the person of Jesus Christ. Peace with you because he deals with our sin problem and peace with this life because peace comes from having adequate resources and he is our great resource. Lord, I pray that everyone walks out of here with a glimpse of your peace. We ask for that gift. We ask for that blessing. In the name of your son, amen.